Hi, this is Jim Brangenberg, the host of the I Work For Him radio show. Thanks for listening to the I Work For Him podcast, where we discuss our workplace as our mission field. The live version of our show can be heard each weekday afternoon at 3 p.m. Eastern on AM 570 and 910 WTBN, locally in the Tampa Bay area, and worldwide on the web at letstalkfaith.com or iHeartRadio. Our website, iWorkForHim.com, has great resources on how you can learn about how your workplace can be your mission field. And also check out the sponsors that bring you the radio show each and every day. And while you're there on I Work For Him, click on the I Work For Him Nation flag and prayerfully consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. Join thousands around the globe praying for their coworkers and employees by name each and every day. That's IWorkForHim.com. I Work, the number four, Him.com. Remember, your workplace is your mission field, and in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Thanks again for listening. I hope this broadcast will make an impact on your life so that you'll never look at your workplace the same again. Let's get to today's show. You've tuned into the fastest one hour in Christian Talk Radio. Hey, just want to welcome you to our work for him as we talk today about contentment and learning to be content. You know, my life verse is, well, it's life verses, Philippians 4, 11 through 13. I've learned to be, Paul's talking to the church in Philippi. I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances that I am. I've learned to get along in humble means. I've learned to get along in prosperity. Whatever, in, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both in, both in suffering, oh, both in abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Ladies and gentlemen, one of the biggest things I think that all Christ followers in the United States of America especially need to focus on, because a lot of people around the world don't have to work on contentment because, well, actually, you know what? I just said that and I realized that's probably not true. People with little probably need to be satisfied with little. People with much need to be satisfied with much. But each one of us as Christ followers, the struggle is contentment. And it is such an issue that we need to have. And so today, our guest, we're going to talk about contentment as she learned to be content before the Lord finally answered her prayer. But in the meantime, before we get to our caller today, who is Claudia Cantrell, I want to just invite you to join I Work For Him in our push to grow nationwide. We need some help with a couple of things. Number one, I'd like you to consider joining the I Work For Him Nation. I'd like you to go out to iworkforhim.com. That's iwork, the number four, him.com, and click on the I Work For Him Nation flag. Read what it is all about. Consider, start making the commitment to pray for your coworkers and employees by name each and every day. Looking for ways to serve them, looking for ways to befriend them, but looking for ways to pray with them when you notice they're just having a rough day, but all along being a person of excellence. We need Christ followers in workplaces across the nation. No matter what your workplace is, we need people being of prayer in their workplace because that's how the Lord starts to do amazing things. Join I Work For Him in this challenge as we want to revolutionize the workplaces in America through prayer, through serving, through befriending our coworkers and employees, our bosses. When we start to pray for people, our hearts start to be transformed. And it's something that I want to ask you to join me in doing that each and every day. You know, it takes, it takes a paradigm shift in our minds. Romans 12 talks about that. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's what I need, we need to do 
as we look to be Christ followers in our workplace, we need to stop thinking about the way the world looks at a workplace and start thinking about the way the Lord looks at a workplace. And he wants us to cover it in prayer. He wants us to invite him in. He wants us to invite him in every day as we go to work. He wants us to say, Lord, help me in what I'm doing every day. That's what he wants. So as you join this challenge, the I Work For Him Nation, look for ways to just start transforming your workplace. You and I are going to make a difference. It's going to make an impact in our workplace. Today, our guest is Claudia Cantrell. She's written an incredible book. Claudia was a guest on our show about six or seven months ago, might have been eight months ago, as she's a graduate of the Halftime Program. Halftime, one of my favorite ministries that really does a great job discipling business people on helping them get to the next step, phase two, what's next. Claudia Cantrell, welcome back to I Work For Him. Thank you, Jim. You are so kind, and I so appreciate you having me back on your show. Oh, I'm so um, excited. I'm excited. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I got a copy of your, you know, your manuscript several months ago, got to read the book. Very excited about this day, the day you release your very yes. first book, right? Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's been uh, a wonderful ride and a very uh, miraculous ride as well as surprising, but it's a great day. Uh, all right. The name of the book is Sacred Love, A Journey of Singleness, Belonging, and Finding True Love. And as I summarize at the beginning of the show, it's really a story of learning to be content before the Lord lets you move on. Before we get to talking about your book and really your life story, I want to ask you the question that I'm asking a lot of people as we look back at 2016 and holy mackerel, it's almost gone. How has the Lord surprised you, Claudia? Oh, gosh. Jim, that's a great question. I, you know, as you know from a previous interview, I'm a clinical PA and have been a clinical physician assistant for over 30 years. And if you had told me a year ago that this book would come out and that God would tell me to write this book deep down in my spirit, I said, you're crazy. But he absolutely surprised me. And now uh, this clinical PA who has never written a book has just come out with her first book. So that's a, that's a big surprise. That's awesome. And, and it's such a big undertaking. You know, when, when you were on I Work For Him last April, you were talking about the impact of halftime on your life in phase two. And really, writing this book is that intro to that phase two, because this is something that you'd never, ever done before, right? That's exactly right. That's so, exactly right. As you look back, you're done with halftime now, right? Because when you were in April, you were still finishing up, if I remember correctly. That's correct. In fact, okay. we just finished in November. Okay, so... What's your biggest takeaway from halftime? Um, I, I believe that you need to follow your passion and be obedient to God in whatever His instructions are. You have to search out your passion in your heart. And then whatever He tells you to do, deep down in your heart, you do it. Sometimes it makes absolutely no sense, but it's not necessarily supposed to make sense. We are supposed to simply follow, but... I can just tell you that when he tells you to do something and you follow through and do it, he'll give you all the power you need to do it. Well, and the halftime journey is really, you know, people joke, well, does that mean i got to be 50 to go through halftime? No. I went through the halftime <laughs> journey at 37. In fact, it, it, it so transformed my world. I just said, Lord, fine. I don't want to waste any more time. Martha and I were in the, we were in the insurance business, and we said, no, I'm not going to waste any more time to do that. I want to pursue significance 
right away. I don't want to. I don't want to get back into it and get sucked back into chasing and pursuing elusive success. So, Claudia, we're excited about hearing your story, but I always want to put that plug in for halftime because you know I love halftime. I, when, Absolutely, when, I do too. When people go through it, their lives are never the same. When your friends that hang out about hang out with you and they say, "Okay, Claudia, before halftime, after halftime, what what are, what are some of the comments that they're making towards you?" Uh, they see more contentment. They see more um, of a calmness. Uh, truly, God led me to halftime to help me to figure out everything. I had hit a wall, as you well know from the past. I had been a career woman for over thirty years and had never been married. Uh, and then when this wonderful man came into my life that was truly ordained for God to bring into my life, um, it was all wonderful, and I became a wife. Uh, at that point, I gave up my career, and I hit a wall. I'd been going 100 miles an hour, and all of a sudden I was going zero miles an hour, <laughs> and I didn't know where my identity was. I was supposed to be going to work every day, and instead he was. And when he would walk out the door and he'd say, I'll see you later, I love you, I thought, I'm supposed to be walking out that door. So I was having a hard time finding out where my next half was, what where it was and what it was supposed to look like. And halftime helped me get there. They asked me the right questions. Well, and, and, I, and I think, just so people understand, your husband didn't say you had to stay at home. It was oh, no. just, this was no. this was just you're trying to figure out, okay, what's the next phase? And, and so you decided to stay home and figure out what was next, right? Exactly. He he wanted me to be happy. That had nothing to do with him at all. I had waited, you know, I got married when I was 54, and I had waited in through the single years to be married, and I wanted to be a wife. So that was more important to me than my clinical career. I wanted to put it on hold for a while, if not forever, but I wanted to be a wife. We're talking today with Claudia Cantrell. She wrote this book, Sacred Love, and it's really her life story. It's really her testimony but it's powerful, very, very, not but, it's powerful. It is powerful. Claudia, welcome back. Thank you so much. You wrote this book about your life. And when you, I mean, it's so personal. I mean, it's a very mm-hmm. personal story. I loved it. I love when I read a book and it's transparent and it's vulnerable. It's none of the pretense. It's all out there on paper, mm-hmm. all the ugly, all the dirty, all the muddy. I like that. Why did you think that your story needed to be written? Jim, I tell you, it was, it was written for single women primarily. Um, I struggled a lot with singleness. You know, I was single until I was 54 years old. And women deal with, with, with issues such as self-image and belonging, and they have this need for love and, and security. Um, and they also have these unmet desires, and they think, God, where are you? And my life before had been about self-sufficiency and being in control. I mean, I was in the career world, and I wanted to prove myself worth, and I wanted to prove my value, not only to me, but to everybody around me. Um, once I understood the truth that my value or my worth was totally in Christ, then I didn't have anything more to prove. But I think a lot of women struggle with this every single day, and it's important. And they, they get caught up in the lies that our enemy tells us and what the world tells us and says, oh, you need to be married, you need to be a mother, you need to have financial security, you fill in the blank. It's there. And I think women especially struggle with it. And so I wanted to write the book to give them hope. 
Um, the world's opinion of whether or not I meet their standards means nothing to me. All I need to know is my value is completely and totally in Jesus Christ, and that's why it was written. Well, and and you're so right that the that women struggle. I'm telling you, men struggle with it too. And there is, mm-hmm. but but there are. It seems like there are a lot more women who are serious about their faith who are waiting to find a man that they can match up with because they're they're finding less of them available. But that's why I wanted to put your story not on a Tuesday show because Tuesday we talk about marriage and relationships. This is a story of contentment, learning to mm-hmm. be content in the Lord. Because that's something that he calls all of us to do, and it is, you, you were so right, you were trying to fill all those voids with your work. and oh, being self. So talk about that part of your life a little bit, because before we get into the depth of your story, you're a career woman, and there's a lot of those listening out there, and I've met a lot of career women who haven't had the privilege of getting married, and so they fill their life with work. Well, they fill their life with work. I, I think, um, you know, I was a workaholic. Uh, being single was pretty hard for me. Um, I grew up, I think people try to find their identity and their value. It can be work, it can be appearance, it can be financial uh, security, it can be whatever. But um, if, if, when you read the book, you'll see that initially I cried as a young kid and then all through my younger adult years to find my uh, security and my value in my parents. I wasn't able to do that. I just wasn't. Um, I I was not this beauty queen like my mother, and she was wonderful, but it was hard to measure up to that. It was hard to measure up to the young girls and the cheerleaders and things like that. When I realized that it just wasn't going to work for me, um, I really had to put all my energy, I thought, behind my achievements and and prove to myself and to other people that I was worth something. So I inevitably built up a wall around me because I wanted to prove that I was a workaholic, therefore I couldn't get out and really meet anybody. But when you read the book, too, you'll see another reason for that was that the wall went up secondary to all the issues with rejection that hit me hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you've read the book. So there's, there's perceived or real, okay? They were rejection issues. And I didn't want to be heard anymore. As much as I wanted to be married, I didn't want to be heard anymore. Right. So I had to come to a point where my self-sufficiency had to end. Um, and when God brought me to that point where I was so stubborn, I mean, I was the epitome of stubborn. He would try to show me, you need to get, you need to do this, you need to do that. Well, I just wanted it my way. I mean, I'm <laughs> honest. I just wanted it my way. Sure. And when I finally, when he finally brought me to the point that I had to come to the end of myself and really look up, I call it, he broke me. And if it's okay, I'd like to kind of explain that day because it really impacted my world. Um, and describe that day because it, I can, I can see it. I can almost smell the atmosphere. Is that okay with you if well, I explain well, that I, day? No, I want to tease that a little bit because I really want to okay. dig into your child background. Then we'll come to that day he broke you, the day you got to the end okay. of your rope, because that is really the case for any person coming to Christ. They really, almost everybody, especially in their adult years, have to come to some point in time where they get to the end of their rope and they realize God's yeah. been holding out his all along going, 
I got the way. I got the way. I got the rope right here. I got the rope. Wait till you get to the end. Fine. That's what you got to do. But that's not the way your life started off with. I mean, you you said in your book that you became a Christian as a child, but you wrote that most of your life didn't reflect that decision. So what happened? Well, I think, you know, it's true. I did become a Christian when I was nine, and, and I didn't question the salvation side of it. Um, I didn't understand my identity in Christ. I think that's real hard for, I think it's a, um, I think it's hard for Christians to truly understand that. We know our salvation. We we get that. But to try to find your value in Christ alone is very hard in this world. And so we start to say, okay, well, I need to be. I need to be. I've got to look like. I've got to do. That's not it at all. And I I just had to strongly fight that. But as I said, I got to that, to that breaking point. I was exhausted oh. trying to measure up. We're talking today. We're talking today with Claudia Cantrell. She's written a book, Sacred Love, and it's about really learning to be content in her relationship with the Lord, learning that the sacred love is the most important. Claudia Cantrell is sharing a little bit of her story. Sorry to interrupt you, but usually in the middle, I want to remind people who are who we're we talking to because a lot of people are tuning in as they get off of work. So you got you know you got to that spot in your faith where you know. You, you, I mean, you were struggling. You were trying to fill all the spots with, mm-hmm. with success and self-worth and self-sufficiency. Did you grow up in a broken yep. home or did your parents stay uh, married? They were married. Um, they were married. I think their, I think their marriage was good, but there was, there were things, and I know they loved me. However, there were things that I perceived in my childhood that made me feel very unloved and unwanted. So that was something that I thought internally. I, I chose to, let's say, believe untruths about myself or, you know, our enemy puts a lot of lies in our head. Um, and he started in the Garden of Eden when he told Eve, oh, God's trying to hold out on you. He's keeping his best. No, he's not. But that is still the exact lie that we are told every day, and especially to single women. Single women are told every day, God's holding out on you. Go get it yourself. He's never going to come through. That is what gets us in trouble because we believe those lies that he wants us to believe, and then we get caught in a bondage, and we don't know how to break it. And the bondage, and, you're, talking, the bondage you're talking about is that bondage of the pursuit of a relationship that will right. complete you? Right. And a relationship to anyone but Christ is not going to complete you. It's not going to happen. Christ completes you. You may compliment that other person in a relationship to a marriage, but you're never going to be completed unless you give your life to Christ because he, he created you. He knows you. He knows you better than anyone else ever could. He formed you. He knows your past, your present, your future, your secrets, your desires. Everything is out there. He knows. And so many times we try to tell ourselves, I know what's best, I know what I need, and I know when I need it. Ooh, that's a slippery slope. And I was on it. I was on that slippery slope. There's a lot of singles on that slippery slope. I want what I want when I want it, and God's not going to take it away from me. Okay, what is that? Pride. Right. And I didn't realize, Jim, that I was full of pride. I had no idea. I didn't see it. 
a lot of times we don't see ourselves until we get to the breaking point. Now, did that pride invade your career? Because you, you had six years of school, probably eight years of schooling as a physician's sure. assistant, right? So you had a lot right. of years right. of schooling. Then oh, you get, sure. and, and then you're in super high demand. So people are chasing after physician's assistants. There's still very high demand today. So mm-hmm. you, 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 you've got a position. People are in demand. I mean, how did your pride and your pursuit of self-sufficiency and, and worth, how did that impact how you worked? I hate it every day. That's the truth. I had I really did not enjoy my work. I loved being I loved clinical medicine. That's not the point. But I struggled to be perfect. I I struggled to be. Um, I never I never wanted to make this mistake because if I did, then that said there was something in my mind. There was something wrong with me. How, why would I make a mistake? I had to achieve. I had to be the best of the best, or someone my employer maybe wouldn't want me anymore. He'd get someone else. That is a struggle that is exhausting, and you can't yeah, live because like you that. can't ever you can't ever win. You You're can't never going to be perfect. No, you can't win anytime. You're put. You're trying to find your value in something other than Christ. It's impossible to win. You will find yourself defeated, depressed, and anxious. There's no other way to see it, and you can tell yourself that it's going to get better, oh, the next achievement, or the next whatever, the next baby, the next whatever you want to put in there, it's going to make it okay. It's going to be right then. I'll be happy then. No, Mm. you will not. I was done. I was at the end of myself. Um, He had brought me to a horrible breaking point. I remember that it was a clear day outside here in Atlanta, and I just lost my job. I had no idea what had happened. I was confused. I didn't understand anything. I remember that I walked into my townhouse where I saw absolutely nothing but furniture. It was cold. There wasn't anybody there to cry with me, to comfort me, to listen to what I was going to say, or try to even explain to me why this horrible event was happening. I remember that I felt nauseated and panicky and absolutely I was scared to death. Um, I had a continual flight of ideas because I was so confused and all I wanted to do, Jim, was stop the pain and the bleeding. I was dying. I felt total and complete despair and my heart was just racing. Um, I remember that all I did was just fall on my face on the den carpet and I just cried and I screamed and I kept crying out to God, why are you allowing this pain? What are you doing? I asked him to physically kill me. I wanted to die. I wanted to leave this life. I didn't want any part of it anymore. I was so tired of the exhaustion and the struggle and trying to understand why he even created me. And I was completely alone from my closest friends, and I really didn't have any family to speak of. Um, I thought about ending my life. I'm not going to tell you that I didn't, but it was quick. It was it was a thought, and then it was gone, because it's not something that I would truly contemplate. I was numb for days, and really, after that first day of the brokenness day, a lot of that's still a blur. Um I remember waking up the next morning and thinking, I've got to wake up from this horrific nightmare. It wasn't a nightmare. It was a reality. And that was even worse to me. Um, I felt helpless. 
And I'll tell you, there wasn't anyone to depend on but God. I didn't know what was going to happen. Remember, I said I lost my job. I didn't know what was going to happen. I didn't know what people would think. I didn't know if I was going to lose my house. I didn't know if I was going to be destitute. I had no idea. I remember just asking God to show me who he was. Show me what we're doing. Just be real to me. And I remember asking so many times before, before this point, why? Why did you create me? Why? I don't understand all of this. Um, I was not a happy person. Remember, I was trying to strive to find identity and value in other things. And it was an, it was a hopeless end. It was ridiculous. But that's why a lot of people have those horrible endings. Um, I needed to be convicted of my pride. And I'm going to tell you, that's a really hard thing. That's really hard to swallow. You say to yourself, well, wait a minute, Claudia, you're a Christian. God hates pride. What happened to you? I don't know what happened to me, Jim, other than the fact that I started going down that slippery slope. Yes, I had my quiet time with the Lord, absolutely, but it was like looking in a mirror and then walking away from it, as the Bible often says. You look in the mirror and you read what I tell you to do, and now I want you to act. And then you walk away, and it's like you don't see your image anymore, and you didn't remember what I told you. I, for whatever reason, went down this very slippery slope, and I had to get off of it. I had to get away from my self-sufficiency. Now, I could have chosen to still be angry and bitter at God and say, what are you doing, and you did this, and you did this. You know, sometimes we just have to own up, and we have to say, okay, Claudia, let's see who you really are. Let's be convicted, because you know what? God knows what he's doing. He knows exactly what he's doing. And you can argue with him until the cows come home, but let's call it spade spade, because you're not going to get away from this. He's never wrong. Mm, you do that's have for pride sure. in you, and you need to see it. And I had a choice. So I decided I would agree with him, and I was convicted, and I was sick to my stomach with what I saw in myself, what he allowed me to see of me. It was mm. nauseating. And so what? I chose to be convicted and to turn away from that and to be completely cleansed. So you'll find out, you know, kind of what happened when you read the book, but it, it, was, a, it was a very significant day in my life. It was my turning point. We're talking today with Claudia Cantrell about her book that's just releasing today, Sacred Love. And I'm telling you, when I read this book, I couldn't put it down. I couldn't wait to get to the end because I kind of knew that it had a really happy ending. But I, I just gave it away. Sorry. But I loved it. I loved getting there. And that's why when I read it, I'm like, oh, this is going to make a great show because there are so many people out there struggling with their singleness, struggling with their pride, struggling with their career, trying to be their self-sufficiency, their self-worth to gain worth from all of those things instead of God. Claudia, how do people get your book? We've given away a couple books today, one to Angel, one to Leslie, and we want to thank them for listening today, for calling in. How can people get your book now? They can easily go. We, I have a new website called CantrellMinistries.com, and there are a number of tabs on that website. And you can click under the book tab, uh, and you can read about me, and you can also read 30 pages of the book 
right there. And then you can click on Amazon.com or Christianbook.com. They can definitely give you, uh, you can order the book. Um, I wanted to also mention I absolutely love to speak to women's groups. I, it's one of my highlights. And that's a new, new change for me, too. That's something I've really never done before. But God has been so gracious. And I love encouraging women. And I love giving them hope. And that's what, that's what I enjoy. And, and I would love to come and speak to women's groups. So that is also on the website, uh, and you can contact me, and, and I can you, try to work that out. You said that was CantrellMinistries.com or .org? Right. Dot .com. Dot .com. Dot Cantrell. Com. C-A-N-T-R-E-L-L Ministries.com. All right, Claudia, you got to that spot where the Lord started revealing to you who you really were. What mm-hmm. what he saw, what you, he, you actually got a glimpse at what the Lord was seeing when he saw you instead of what you were seeing when you saw you. Mm-hmm. That was the starting point of really the restoration of the Lord in your life. Mm-hmm. It, it was. I, um, I had to see that God loved me. He is only love. And he wanted the best for my life. I was, he was not the one holding back on me. I was the one that was holding the blessings away. I was the one who was being disobedient to him. I was the one that wasn't following his word. I was reading it, but was I putting it into action what I was reading? No. And that I can know everything. I can read and read and read, but unless I'm obedient to what I've read, it's worthless. And I had to get to that. I had to come to a point, and you'll see this in the book a lot, I deal a lot with unforgiveness and anger and bitterness a lot. I, that, is the, that is the basis of Christianity, is forgiveness. Right. And we are commanded to forgive, whether we want to or not. And I had to get to a point where I really could see that. Um, the Bible talks about our sins being level. I mean, God doesn't say this well, sin is worse than this. Go ahead. Let me just, well, I just, I want people to hear this because this is something that so many people struggle with. And again, we're talking today with Claudia Cantrell, who just, her book is just releasing today, Sacred Love. She's a career physician's assistant. And this is a story about her struggle, and I thought this is a book that everybody needs to hear about because it's so real. We all struggle. A lot of people say, no, I don't. I don't struggle with (laughs) anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, but no, we do. If Christ followers didn't struggle with those things, we'd be making a bigger impact everywhere we go. But when when you said in your book you're struggling with anger and bitterness and unforgiveness, I'm like, raising my hand. Yes, ma'am. Me too. That's Mm -hmm. where I was really about a a little over a decade ago, I was just rolling in it, and I had no idea why my faith was struggling, and I had no idea why the depth of my relationship with the Lord was struggling, and all of a sudden I realized, wow, that's you, Jim. You're really struggling with this. So so as you started to work through the anger, the bitterness, the unforgiveness, talk to me about what that looked like. What did that process look and feel like? It was hard. It was very hard. I, I'm, I'm not going to um, say it wasn't. It was. But I had to, first of all, you know, when you, when you deal with unforgiveness, basically what you're saying to, to yourself internally is, I don't deserve to be treated that way. Why are they doing that? That's just, that should be treated this way or this way. That's pride. 
<laughs> if you look at it, it's pride. And I think all of it boils down to that. We're too prideful to forgive somebody. Are you kidding me? God forgave us. Who are we to say that we won't forgive someone? That's crazy. And I had to, I had to realize that, but I'll tell you, I had to not only be convicted of that unforgiveness in my heart, but then I had to choose to be obedient, whether I wanted to or not. And Graham Lott said that forgiveness is an act of worship, and it is, and I never thought about it like that. Forgiveness is an act of worship because you're being obedient to Christ. And I had to pray to choose to forgive this person, this person, and I called their names. Out loud, in my own quiet, um, um, my, myself, not with everybody else, but I would call their names. Then I prayed for a very, very soft heart, and I prayed it over and over. It wasn't a, wasn't a quick overnight thing. When my head realized what had to be done, it took a while for my heart to catch up, but it did. It did, okay, and God but, knows you're trying to be obedient to him. Okay, but, then, but, a, lot, but a lot of people struggle with that. Okay, you're talking about forgiving and anger and for, for, uh, with people, with other people. Yeah. But in the event, you have to forgive yourself too, right? But that's a lot where that's where people really struggle, though, is forgiving. I mean, it, it it seems like people have a lot easier time forgiving others, and they really struggle with forgiving themselves. Did you struggle with forgiving yourself? Oh yeah, oh sure, yeah, I did. I I didn't like who I'd become, um, and that's when it really started when God broke me, and I thought, oh my gosh, I was ashamed of who I was. I was ashamed of how I had represented his name. I was mortified, and I had a real struggle with that. But you know what? God died on a cross for all of our sins, including the sins that we do, and we have to, to other people and to our, even to ourselves, we have to say, you know what? I can either choose to live in the past, and I can choose to be defeated, and I can choose to be the victim, or... I can choose what God, what Christ died to give me, and that was total and complete forgiveness of all of my sin, not just one or two, all. Right. And I, if he didn't, if he, if, if that was not enough, then what are we going to do? It was plenty. It was way enough. So I had to choose that, and I had to go into my future, putting that behind me, to have learned the lessons that he taught me to live in obedience to him. And I'll tell you something. A pastor said, this is huge to me, and it resonated with me. A pastor asked in the pulpit of his congregation one day, how do you know if you're growing in your relationship to Jesus Christ? Well, let me tell you, my ears perked up. I thought, oh, oh, I didn't realize. How do you know that? He made one simple statement. He said, you know, if you're growing in your relationship to Christ by looking at how long it takes you to forgive an offense, does it take you years, months, weeks, days, hours? The shorter the time it takes you to forgive an offense, hopefully only seconds, but the shorter the time, the closer you are to your relationship to Jesus Christ and to looking like Him. That's what we do in life. He forms us into his image, and he uses sandpaper, and he gets those rough edges off. In your book, your counselor once asked you, if God took everything from you, your job, your health, your remaining family and finances, in order to bring you close to him, would it be worth it? How did you answer then, and how do you answer today? Um, Jim, that was, that was a real shocker of a question. 
um, I remember where I was sitting at the time, and it was freezing cold, and it was snowing like crazy. And when she said that, I really just sat there at first. And I'll, I'm honest, I'm transparent, the book is raw. The book is raw, and it will tell you exactly what I've dealt with. And I said, no. At that point, I, I thought, what more do you want? What more do you want? And every time I would ask that question, I seemed to hear, I want you, Claudia. I want you. I thought, I've given you me. What more do you want? And at that point, I was reaching that breaking point. And I said, no. Now, that is a huge, huge part of my faith walk is what happened right after that. And I want your listeners really I do, to go and get that book because I'm not going to do it justice by telling you what happened right after that. Um, I will tell you that it was hard, that it was painful, and that um, now I would say immediate, yes, it is worth it, absolutely, to know Jesus Christ in the personal relationship and have the joy and the contentment that I have in him alone, if I lost everything, absolutely. But at that point, immediately, transparently, and honestly, I said, no. Mm. You had a couple of things you want to make sure we got out in our conversation. And as we're coming towards the end of the show, I want to give you that chance to get those oh, nuggets so, out there. You know, there's a lot of, you're so kind to do that. I have a lot of great stuff in that book and a lot of nuggets and a lot I of agree. stories. That I, that I learned, and I wanted to share this book, especially with single women who have just struggled and struggled and don't understand why their needs aren't met and why their desires aren't being met. Um, I uh, There's a few things that if someone's just turning in, I want to say, you know, God is not holding out on you. He's not. Don't let that lie that started in the Garden of Eden continue to cripple you, and it will take you down. It'll take you down. Don't let that happen. The second thing is whatever we choose to, that we say we have to have, we have to have it to be happy and fulfilled, whatever that case may be. As I said, spouse, career, money, uh, perfect figure, whatever. Whatever that is, I want you to know that our enemy will totally and completely use it against you. Mm. Our only hope is in Jesus Christ, and that is it. The, the, probably the, the last thing is forgiveness is huge. It's huge. You cannot live your life as a believer in the Son of God unless you are able to to forgive. And it's a choice. It's a choice. It's a command, yes. But you have to choose that, and you have to choose to be obedient to what Christ is telling you to do. He has the best for your life. Don't hold it back. Don't hold it back. But forgiveness for the Christian is huge. It's our biggest component when we look at living a joyful, peaceful, and contented life. It all rests on your relationship to Christ and forgiveness of it others does. and yourself. Claudia Cantrell, congratulations on your book today, releasing Sacred Love. 
Find it on our website, CantrellMinistries.com forward slash books or out there on Christian Book Distributors or Amazon. Claudia, it was great. I love your book. I Thank have you. Huge blessings out there on it, and I, and I can't wait to read the next one, whatever that oh, may be. Oh, aren't you pleased? Thank you so right. much, Jim. Thanks for I being on iWork for him on. today. Okay, oh, bye-bye. All right, bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You know, as we come to the end of another iWork for him show, really just those points that she just made, that God's not holding out on you, that whatever you, we choose that we have to have, that will absolutely become an idol in your life, and the enemy will use that to destroy you. And that forgiveness as a Christ follower, not an option. It's imperative. It is a must-do. And as we start to forgive people, and I think Claudia's line, hey, how do we know if we're really growing our relationship with the Lord? How long does it take you to forgive an offense? If it takes you a really long time, you're not growing so much. But if you get down to the spot where you can forgive pretty quickly, you're really growing in your relationship. You've been listening to I Work For Him with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower. My workplace, it's my mission field. And I work for him.